Good to see all of you today. We are starting a brand new series this morning on the life of Joseph. And uh, we finished one on modern day Davids. And I, I, for some reason, I really like that, uh, that theme. And uh, I want to continue that theme, looking at the life of Joseph. And uh, there are so many life lessons. I, I, I mean, the life of Joseph is just absolutely incredible. But all of this really spawned when we were talking about the life of Gideon. Now, how many remember the series I preached on Gideon? And there was one thing I wanted to focus in on, and that was the fact that Gideon, as great as he was and all the experiences he went through, he failed in one of the most important areas. He failed in his success. And I expanded on that, and, and it really registered in my life that there are a lot of people who fail in success. And I entitled the message later after that is how do you succeed in success? And it seems kind of a strange subject, but you'd be shocked how many people fail when God begins to bless. How many people get off track when God begins to bless and begins to do something, we lose focus. And so I want to talk about a man who really can exemplify this on so many different levels. We talked about David. David learned how to succeed in success, and we talked about all the things that he experienced, and we try to apply it in our lives today. And we want to do that through the life of Joseph. Joseph arguably typifies the life of Jesus more than anyone else in the entire Bible. There was something about Joseph that really stirs our hearts. When you look in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we look at the heroes of the faith, the hall of faith we call it. We see so many elements about Joseph as a boy who rose up out of slavery to rule the greatest nation of that day. What we see in his life is the very essence of faith. He learned to trust God through the pits and through the prisons of his life. And that propelled him into different levels. The hall of faith in the book of Hebrews talks about Enoch who learned to walk with God. He teaches us the stability of faith. We looked at Noah. Noah built an ark, 120 years of persecution, people mocking him, who escaped the flood. And what we learn about, Moses, about Noah is the significance of faith. And then we see Abraham and his son Isaac. Abraham who was willing to sacrifice his son, and then Isaac who was willing to be sacrificed. Interesting. We see the sacrifice of faith. And then we come to Jacob, the father of Joseph. Jacob, arguably the most inconsistent character of all the patriarchs. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down for most of his life. Even his name depicted who he was. He was unstable and he was a deceiver and manipulator. A supplanter, that's what his name means in the Hebrew. But Jacob, after several years, had an encounter with God at Peniel and in Bethel. And his life changed. And what we see through Jacob, the father of Joseph, is the steps of faith. 
God has steps and God brings us to different levels of growth. We see this through his son Joseph. But when you study the life of Joseph, you study his life, not only do you see the essence of faith, but here it is. But the success of faith. The success of faith. We started these series, How Do We Succeed in Success? Now the word success in our day today has been terribly misrepresented. The prosperity gospel has, has been birthed, if you will, through this term success and prosperity. And, and it, it, we, we, it, personally, we try to stay away from these words like prosperity and success because they've been so misused this prosperity gospel has polluted, I believe, the very essence of the gospel. Believing that somehow if you don't have faith, you will suffer. If you don't have faith, you'll be sick. If you don't have faith, you will never prosper. And it goes on and on and on, diluting and misguiding and misrepresenting what true prosperity and true success is. This morning we're going to be looking at a man who knew what success was all about. But not the success that the world talks about. When I'm talking about success this morning, I'm not talking about physical success. I'm not talking about the things in the physical realm. Although there are times that God will indeed bless us in the physical realm, and he does. Of course, we all know that. But that's not the success that Joseph represents. And that's not the success that I want to talk about this morning at all. In fact, I want to stay away from that type of success. This morning I want to talk about what true success is. The success of faith through the life of Joseph. As I mentioned, one of the greatest men that typifies the life of Jesus like no other. You all heard the expression, whatever a man or whatever he touches turns to gold. Well, this is exactly what happened to Joseph. But there was a reason why this took place. And today we're going to go through the Bible and we're going to see why Joseph was such an important character. One of the most important characters in the entire word of God. Joseph, there was something about Joseph that set him apart like none other. And so let's do a little bit of research and let's do a little bit of study by way of introduction. And I'm going to give you some principles that begin with P that will set the tone for this message in this series. First of all, number one, Joseph was pivotal in all of history. Pivotal. He was so important and the key in all of history, especially when it comes to the Jewish nation, Hebrew nation, he is the connecting link from Genesis to Exodus. If you don't know the life of Joseph, you don't know how Israel became a nation of two million people. It was Joseph who brought 70 people of his family into Goshen. And, uh, and from Goshen, just outside of Egypt, just in, in that area, eventually the people of Israel went into the promised land and became a nation. But it was through Joseph he was the link. He was the man that started in the, in the area of in the land of Goshen. 70 people grew to 2 million people where we get the nation. If there was no Joseph, there would be no Israel. 
He is pivotal. Something about Joseph. Not only is he pivotal, but he's understood what providence means. Providen- there was something providential about the life of Joseph. Joseph understood the providence of God. Now this is extremely important. Because understanding the providence of God will help you how to deal in your life when you find yourself in a prison. Understanding the providence of God will help you deal with issues when you find yourself in a pit. Joseph understood that God was watching him and was blessing him and helping him despite his surroundings. And that is huge because most of us miss it when we find ourselves in a pit. Most of us lose focus when we find ourselves in prison. Joseph understood the providence of God in his own life and his destiny. And that becomes so important. Joseph is the best illustration in the Old Testament, certainly, of what Paul says in Romans 8.28. All things work together for good. All things, all things, the good things, the bad things. We don't see it when we're going through the pits. We don't see it when we're going through the prisons. But all things work together for good to those who love God and are called by God. All. And Joseph typifies this perhaps more than anyone else, and anyone else in the entire Bible. And we see this clearly through his life. From the beginning to the very end. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The point is, Joseph, after 17 years, now watch this. We know this. We know this by how he lived. But I want you to see this. After 17 years, after he was mistreated by his own family, left to die, wanted to kill him. And Joseph did absolutely nothing to merit. 17 years later, he sees his brothers. God has promoted him to prime minister. And Joseph had an opportunity to execute vengeance as David did when Saul was after him over and over again. And that's why I'm looking at these two men. And one sign that God is truly working in your life is when you have an opportunity to get even and you don't is a sign of true spiritual maturity. And David could have killed Saul, but he didn't. He never executed vengeance. He never took things upon himself because he understood that God is in control. And no matter what you're going through, you need to understand that and that will help you through the pits and prisons. And we see this exemplified through Joseph. 17 years. He had his brothers in front of him. Yes, Reuben and Judah who wanted to kill him. And what did he do? You meant it for evil, but he understood the providence of God. When you understand the providence of God, you're going to deal with people differently. His life was pivotal. Providential. We see this clearly later on when Joseph's father died. And here's another great example of this. His brothers thought for sure that he would kill them. They thought, okay, you didn't kill us now because dad's alive. And 
Dad wouldn't want that, now would he? Dad is dead, he's gone. And in chapter 50, verses 15 and following, he said this. He was pained when they thought that. Am I in the place of God? Am I, can I, only God is a giver of life and take, I can't do anything like that. God's in control. God's in control. Am I in the place of God to do such things? He understood the providence of God. And so as we begin this morning, I want us to look at our text found in Genesis chapter 37. We begin at the third verse and we're going to get, we're going to introduce ourselves to Joseph and we're going to see some of the things that he went through and the experiences that propelled him for the rest of his life. Now Israel, that's Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children. Well, there's, his, there's Jacob's first mistake. Uh, parents, uh, you, you might love your children and sometimes we gravitate towards one over the other but you must never, you must never, you must never, never, never show any child more favoritism or more love than another. It will come back to bite you so clearly and so deeply and you might never be able to get over that. You know how many family problems have started because mom or dad loves, loves, loves Billy more than, than Sally or shows more love to Edgar over Paul? Jacob loved Joseph more than his children because he was the son of his old age. Oh, really? And he made him a coat of many colors. And now Jacob is doing even worse. He's showing him faith. He's giving him things that he's not giving his other children. You're going to have problems. You're going to have family problems. Oh, mom, dad, why did you give that nice dress to, to, to Karen, my sister? And, but you didn't give it to me. Why did you give so much to him and you're not giving it to me? Oh, they'll, they'll, they, they won't let you forget what you've done. They'll come back to bite you. They'll come back to bite you. Watch this now. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him. So now Joseph is being hated by his brothers because his dad was showing him favoritism. Now that's not the only reason, but that's a huge reason. Did you see what I'm saying here? You could not speak peaceably unto him. And then Joseph dreamed. Now here it is. Now here now Joseph. And so Joseph dreamed a dream and told his brethren. And they hated him yet even more. <laughs> uh, sometimes when God gives you a dream or a vision. That's just, it's just for free. It's not part of my sermon but I'll just throw it in there. It's not always meant to be told to others. I, I got to repeat that because I, you know. If God's given you a dream or a vision or something that God is speaking to you about, sometimes that dream is not meant to be told to others. Because others won't understand it, won't accept it, and they'll probably think, well, who do you think you are? And it's exactly what happened here. Now watch this. 
They hated him yet even more. Verse 6. And he said unto them, Here I pray thee this dream which I have dreamt. And behold, we were binding sheaves in the, she- in the field. And lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood around about and made obstinance or began to bow down to my wheat. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him even more for his dreams. What are you trying to do? Trying to tell us something here, Joseph? And they hated him to think that they're going to bow down before him. Verse 9, and he dreamed yet another dream and told his brothers. And he said, behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And, and behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made up. So they bowed down to me. And he told to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him. So now he's having problems with his brothers. And now his father got mad. His father, Jacob, he's saying, hold on a second. He said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamt? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come down to bow down ourselves before the earth, before you? We're going to, what are you saying, Joseph? What do you think you are here? Telling us these dreams and we're going to bow down before you, your entire family. Even his father, who loved him dearly, rebuked him. Now notice verse 11. And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. So, because his father loved him, he rebuked him, but he listened to what he said. But his brothers, who had issues with him, were envious. And sometimes we go through issues and things in life, and... We have people who respond to us a certain way and we say to them, well, I shouldn't have said this and if I should said this, then maybe this person wouldn't respond this way. And that could be partly true, but the truth is this, that because this person has already had issues with you, they're going to feel a certain way despite what you said or didn't say. Because there's, there's a root in there. There's a root in there. And they'll take whatever you said and they'll make it worse. Because there's something deep inside of you, in them, that has surfaced and become, has mushroomed in a greater way because they've already have something against you. And this was the case with his brothers. They envied him. And his brethren went to feed their flocks in Shechem. And Israel, verse 13, said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you there. Go, I pray thee. And see if they're doing well. Verse 16. And he said, I will seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. This is Joseph asking where his brothers are. And the men said, they are departed thence, for I've heard them. Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. Verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before they came near to him, they conspired against him to kill him. Wow. So their jealousy and envy brought a desire to kill. And I've said over this pulpit, one of the worst, worst things that a person can harbor in his heart is jealousy. Jealousy, if it's not dealt with, can lead to murder. It can. They wanted to kill him. They hated him. They were jealous of him. And they said one to another, behold, here comes this dreamer Verse 20, come now, 
therefore, and let us kill him and cast him into the pit. Verse 20, and we will say some evil beast has devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. This is his own flesh and blood. Brothers and sisters, this is not the enemy of the land. This is his own brother. Some of the greatest hatreds. In fact, let me go further with you. The greatest hatreds or animosity is not necessarily you and someone that works with you. The greatest hatred, I believe, nine times out of ten, starts within the family. It was Cain who killed his brother Abel. Hated him. It was Absalom who wanted to kill his own father, David. Absalom wanted to kill Abner, his own brother. Family tension. David was despised by his brothers, even by his own father. Some of the greatest hatreds are between siblings and family members. And here his brothers want to kill him. Verse 21, And Reuben heard it, and delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto him, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit, that it is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid of him in their hands, to deliver them to his father again. And in verse 25, they sat down to eat. Imagine that, they're eating, they're having a good time. They just cast down their brother. And they would, look, look, look. They have no conscience. They're eating. They're having fellowship. They're enjoying their, their lunch together. And as they're enjoying their lunch together, they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, there were a company of Ishmaelites, Egyptians, that came from Gilead. And Judah, verse 26, said unto his brethren, What profit is there to slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell. So here comes Judah, the businessman. He says, why, why, why should we kill him? It's not some profit. Why, why, why don't we sell him and make some money out of it? So it's even worse. Using his brother as, a, as an, uh, an object to, to make some money. I mean, how low are you going to get here? And the rest of the story, we all know it. They sold him and then they lied in Reuben verse 29 returned to the pit behold Joseph was not in the pit and he rent his clothes and he returned unto the brethren and said the child is not I whither shall I go and they took Joseph's coat and killed uh, a goat of the goat's kid a young and dipped the coat in the blood and sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and they said this this is what we have found this is what we he's lying found you Family issues. If they're not resolved, they get worse and worse. Lies, deceptions, murder. Lies, deceptions, murder. We, we, we found uh, this, his coat, daddy, and it's filled with blood. He must have been killed by a wild animal. And Jacob was beside himself when he heard it. Remember, he loved Joseph. He loved him. He loved him. Verse 33, and he knew it and said, it is my son's coat and an evil beast has devoured him. And Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces and, and J Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth. When you put sackcloth over you in ancient times, it, 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 it's a sign of complete mourning. Complete mourning. He's, in, he's absolutely devastated by the news that his son 
was killed by a, a wild animal. He believed the lies of his children, the lies of Joseph's brothers. And so we see that Joseph has dreams. He's a dreamer. Actually, he had five dreams in all. Joseph had two dreams about himself. He had two dreams, the butler and the baker, and he had one dream concerning Pharaoh. God gave him dreams. God still gives dreams to people today. But I'll be honest with you, after many years of ministry, I've been a little skeptical and a little bit careful when people come and tell me about their dreams. I believe in dreams. The Bible tells in the last days that, that dreams will be a part of, of a prophetic sign, and I believe that. But I also believe that many times it could be just bad pizza. And we need to be very discerning. Very discerning. And so, we see that Jacob's children are out tending the sheep and he sends his son to find out where they are and how they're doing. And of course, we just read, they wanted to kill him and they threw him into a pit. And all of this took place after Joseph talked about a great dream he had. A great dream. My title is, What Happens When Your Dream Becomes Your Nightmare? <laughs> What Happens When Your Dream Becomes Your Nightmare? Can I say that again? What Happens When Your Dream, You're Dreaming Something, You're Believing God for Something, You're trusting God for something. Maybe he's given you a vision. He's given you a dream. You know this has come from God. You've got a dream. You know it's from the Lord, but it hasn't been received. And now this dream has become a nightmare. Because of your dream, because of your vision, you're now in, in a pit. And because of your dream, and because of your, the, the, this vision that God, you end up not only in a pit, but you end up, going into a prison and a nightmare has come against you it's everything is dark and you're saying how can this be God has given me this dream and I find myself in a pit God has given me purpose and I find myself in a prison I don't understand how can this be how can I be so misunderstood how could everything turn out so contrary to what I saw in my dream. But even while Joseph was in the pit and the prison, we see the providence of God. We see the providence of God. God was still working. And that's something he didn't fully grasp in the beginning. But wherever he was, wherever he did, God's hand was upon him, even in jail. He understood that God was in charge despite all the pain he went through. And my third P, listen, whatever he did, whatever happened, he was 
prosperous. He was successful. What am I talking about? Joseph's life was pivotal. He was the key to everything. Number two, we see and he understood that God had a providential care. He understood God's providence. But also we need to look into Joseph's life because he speaks to us of what true spiritual prosperity is. He was successful. He knew how to succeed in success. And that's how these series have spawned. How do I succeed in success? How do I keep growing? How do I keep shining? How do I keep making a difference in this world? How many have started well but have faded like Gideon? You remember Gideon? God used him in such a powerful way. An incredible way. And they wanted to elevate Gideon and make him king. And he said, oh, I don't want to be your king, nor do I want my son to be your king or rule over you. And that was disingenuous because later he wanted the gold. He even called his son Absalom, which means son of a king. And truly he wanted to be a king. And we talked about what took place as a result of that. He caused Israel to sin. He wanted their gold. He made an ephod and began to worship in his own house. He began to worship and become like, act like a priest. He started to lose his mind. Sometimes when God blesses you and prosperity comes, if you're not careful, you can lose focus and you can start doing some strange things. Like King Uzziah, the Bible says he was marvelously helped till he became strong, till he became strong in his own mind and he started to do strange things. Hezekiah was the same way. God blessed him mightily. But you see, he became a little proud later on. He began to entertain the Babylonians and began to show them the temple, began to show them his palace. He let the enemy in. He started to do strange things. Even King Asa started to do strange things. You see, friends, it's one thing to say, oh, yes, I give God the praise and I give God. But, what? but when God blesses you and you start seeing some great things how you respond to that blessing will determine your destiny Gideon the Bible says after all the great success the Bible says at the end of his days he was forgotten by his people he wasn't even remembered what Gideon wasn't remembered all those great exploits and the great things that he did wasn't even remembered. Why? Because he failed in success. But Joseph was completely different. Joseph's life was pivotal, providential, prosperous. God blessed him, whatever he did. God blessed them. And it wasn't only, only physical, my friends. Don't think that blessings are only physical. In fact, true blessings are not physical. They're intangible. Some of the greatest blessings, you can't even see them. Because the greatest blessings that God can give you are within your heart. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is what God calls blessings. He speaks about character. He's speaking about you as a person. That's what Joseph was so prosperous. We're talking about internal prosperity. 
Not like the world today and the false teachers of today who have a gospel that's based on a man-centered, goosebump, hot tub Christianity based on feelings and emotions and what you see and the external realm. That's not prosperity. Pivotal, providential, prosperous. My fourth P, why do we look at Joseph? Why was Joseph so unique? Because his life was a life of purity. Purity. We don't like to talk much about holiness today. That's why I want to sing that song, We're Standing on Holy Ground. Holiness, purity. These are things we don't hear much today because it's not convenient. No. We want to talk about how God wants to give us things and how, how God wants to bless us with things and it's all about things and it's all about position and it's all about the exterior realm. That wasn't the concern of Joseph. Purity. Joseph was a godly man and his life was a life that was pure. In fact, the Bible tells us there was no guile in him. We don't, we don't read anything about Joseph where we see any kind of scandal. We don't see any compromise in any way in Joseph's life. And so I want to show you as we go deeper this morning the three areas that Joseph was tempted on that, 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 that reflect his character. Let me tell you something. When you yield to temptation, it's a reflection of your character. Let me say that again. Whatever you yield to, and if you have a propensity of yielding to certain sins, it's a reflection of your character. Stay with me. I'm going to explain to you what I mean by this. Joseph was tempted in three different ways. Watch this now. He was tempted with self-pity. There's a good one. You know self-pity. People are like, like self-pity. They want you to feel sorry for themselves, and I understand that. But self-pity can be a real problem. He could have said, Oh Lord, why am I in prison? I didn't do anything wrong. What did I, okay, I told my dream to my brothers, but they didn't have to do this to me. Look what I'm going through. Don't you, can't you hear? Can't you see what I'm going through? Don't you have any understanding? Don't you feel? And we, we, we almost are seeking for others to feel sorry for. Oh, we won't admit it. We won't admit it. But he could have said over and over again, Lord, why? How come am I in prison? You see, you don't see any self-pity. You don't see any grumbling. You don't see any murmuring while he was in prison or while he was in the pit. No, 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 no. He looked at the pit. and the, Are you ready for this? He looked at the pit and he looked at, 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 at the prison as an opportunity to glorify God. Here's where Joseph is set apart. Every obstacle he went through, he looked as an opportunity. How can I glorify God through this? And while he was in prison, instead of murmuring and complaining, he was trusting in God. And what did God do? God promoted him while he was in prison, and now he's running the prison cell. Here's the prisoner, the inmate, who is now running the prison cell. Wow. You see, life lesson. Opposition. Obstacles. Do you look as in your trials? Do you look at your pits? Do you look at your prisons as obstacles? 
here's my next O, or are you looking at them as an opportunity? Obstacle versus opportunity. Opposition. Opposition can be either an obstacle or an opportunity. What's the difference? Your perspective. How do you see it? How do you view it? When Joseph was in prison, it could have easily been looked upon as an obstacle, but no, not Joseph. So he was tempted with self-pity. Why, Lord? How come me, Lord? Second temptation that Joseph went through is the temptation of sexual immorality with Potiphar's wife. There was a temptation of his sexual immorality. I mean, he, had, he was a regular human being, a regular male. He had feelings like anyone else. Joseph was tempted with this woman. Joseph decided it was better to flee and lose his coat rather than lose his character. Joseph would rather flee from opposition because he'd rather flee with his, without his coat than without his character. How many men, and I've just heard of another so-called minister who compromised, accused of sexual immorality, how many men have we heard in the last 10 years in mega churches who have compromised all kinds of atrocities, sexual immorality running rampant today in all these churches? I can give you some names, but I don't have to. It's all over the place. They think they're invincible. They let their guard down. And they end up falling because they think that they are indispensable because they're not living pure lives. Let me say to you, as I've said over and over again, are you ready for this? It's one of my favorite favorite saying, if I can use that saying, is that the secret of being a saint is what? Being a saint in, that's what's going to keep you pure, my friend. That's going to keep you on the straight and narrow, what you do in the secret place. The secret of being a saint is being a saint in secret. When nobody's looking, what are you doing? When nobody's looking, how are you acting? When nobody's looking, what are you reading? When nobody's looking, what are you watching? When nobody's looking, that's what's going to keep you down the straight and narrow. But these great men, supposedly, who have great mega this and mega that's, who fall by the wayside, they haven't learned to be a saint in secret. You understand me? It's all public. But let me tell you something about the public. If the private is not right, the public won't be right either. It's all about the private. The private, when nobody's looking, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the, it's the secret place. And Joseph had a great private life in a sense where he was living to please God and he kept pure his character, the very contrast of Samson, the opposite of Samson, who had charisma but had no character. I'd rather have character than charisma any day of the week. 
All these great mega leaders, they got great charisma, but they got no character, some, some of them. Can't say all of them. Because the world elevates charisma. The world wants to see charisma flash and glamour. They don't want to hear sermons on character. How, how boring is that? Character. You want to please God. That's what it's going to take. Third temptation was that of self-indulgence. Self-pity, sexual immorality, and now self-indulgence. Imagine from the pits to the palace. He basically, now in the palace, Joseph is promoted by God. Remember, that's where the danger is. When you're promoted, what do you do with success? What does he do? Oh, he passes with flying colors. He had all the wealth of Egypt at his disposal. But Joseph used his power and authority to feed the nations of the world, not himself. Wow. He used his authority to feed the nations of the world, not himself. He could have gone to the piggy bank of the kingdom and taken a few, I don't know what the currency was back then. Nobody would have seen it. He was in charge. He didn't do that. He never promoted himself. He had authority, but he never promoted himself. God did all the promotion. You know, friends, you can tell a lot about someone when someone is given authority, how they respond. I, you know, it's amazing. When you give someone authority, if you have the ability to do that, you can tell a lot about that person, how he deals with authority. Some people just want authority. Some people want to be in the spotlight. And there's many reasons why people want to be in the spotlight. Sometimes it's a low self-esteem, insecurity. I don't know. There are many reasons. I'm not, I'm not, that's not this sermon's not about that. But, but, but you can tell a lot about someone's character when they are given authority. You want to test someone's character, then you can give them authority and see how they're going to respond. Important. Joseph loved God. And wanted to please God. And he lived accordingly. A life of purity. A life of purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, Jesus said. Blessed, that's what Jesus calls blessed. The pure in heart, among other things. But here in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You want to see God? But we all want to see God. You want to see God? Have a pure heart. The Greek word katharos. Katrina or Catherine means pure. It means a cleansing, a cleansing, a cleansing of heart. When you are cleansed of your heart, you get a vision of God. You're able to see God clearly. The purity of your heart. And that's why David, despite his errors, was the man after God's heart. His heart was pure. He loved God. And, and who had a greater vision of God than David? His worship, his praise, his love. We see something here with Joseph, very similar. The purity of his heart. So we see 
His life was pivotal. We see that his life was providential. His life was prosperous. His life was a life of purity. And my final P, his life, now here's a very important one. We study his life because his life was truly a prophetic life. Prophetic. What do I mean by prophetic? Stay with me. Prophetic, prophetic. As I mentioned, friends, there's, there's only, there's nothing in Joseph's life that you can point your finger at and say, look what Joseph, there are three men in the Bible that have no evil mention about them. That's Jonathan, Daniel, and Joseph. But Joseph's life typifies Jesus' life like no other in the Bible. And you know, I, 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 did a, and I, I did a bit of a study here, and I looked at Joseph and Jesus, and I made the comparison, and I saw some things about Joseph and Jesus, Jesus, that are absolutely amazing that you don't see anyone else having in the entire Bible, not even David. I want you to see how amazing the life of Joseph is when you bring it to Jesus' life. You see the similarities, the comparisons. Watch this now. Watch this, watch this. Jesus is called, of course, the Good Shepherd. And we know that Joseph tended the sheep, went to Dothan. He, we know that he was a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Watch this. Joseph loved his father. We know that. Wanted to please his father. Jesus said, my meat is to do my father's will. I and the father are one. And remember in Jesus' baptism, a voice came and said, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased. Similarity number three. Joseph was hated by his brothers. Jesus was hated by his family and rejected by his own family. Listen, sometimes your family will reject you because of who you are in Christ. Not all the time, but many times that can happen. And we see what? In John chapter 1 verse 11, we see that very thing. In John chapter 1 verse 11, we read this. Look what it says. It says, He came to his own and his own received him not. This is speaking of Jesus. Joseph was not received by his brethren. Hated by his family. Jesus was also hated by his family. Joseph was not believed by his brethren. Jesus was not believed by his brethren. In Luke chapter 4, you remember the story. All of a sudden, Jesus is there and he, he picks up the Bible. And the Bible, it, it, it's on the, the daily reading. They, used, they would have daily readings. And the, on the Sabbath day, they would have specific readings in the synagogue. For that, that would be the message. But it was, it was prearranged. This is very important. It was prearranged. And so it wasn't that day that the priest would read the scripture. I said, well, it's like, like a sermon where you preach whatever you sense the Lord. No, no, no. Everything was prearranged. This particular Saturday, on this particular day, Jesus happened to be in the synagogue in Nazareth. And there he was. And he gets up and he begins to read out of what? Isaiah 61. And of course, he reads it and he says, this day the scripture's been fulfilled in me. And they were upset. So, what? You're calling yourself the Messiah. And for some of you false teachers out there and for, who don't believe that Jesus ever claimed to be God or claimed to be Messiah, here's a scripture where Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. Right here in Luke 4. Today the scriptures are fulfilled. I am the Messiah of Isaiah 61. And what did they do? They hated him. Wanted to what? Kill him. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. Remember that? They threw Joseph into a pit. 
sold by his brothers. Jesus was sold for a few pieces of silver by his own, his disciple. His brothers sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. We see the same thing going on with Jesus by Judas. Joseph went to Egypt. Joseph went to Egypt. And the Bible says, out of Egypt I have called my son. And Jesus went to live in Egypt for a period of time and eventually came back. We see the similarities when it comes to Egypt. Joseph was put into a pit. Jesus went into the grave. Joseph ended up in the palace. Jesus rose and ended up, of course, going to the heavenly palace. Joseph forgave his brothers. Jesus on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you see why I'm trying to tell you that Joseph typifies Jesus more than anyone else in the Bible? Yet, are you ready for some of you? Joseph never performed one miracle. Wow. <laughs> That's a sermon right there. You never see Joseph laying on the, on the sick and calling fire from heaven. You never see Joseph praying and all of a sudden water appears or nothing. You don't see Joseph in the sensational or the miraculous. Yeah, yeah, he ended up feeding nations. That's miraculous. But, but you, you see a progression of these things taking place. You don't see the, 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 the lightning bolts. You don't, you don't see the heavens open up like when Moses prayed and, and the Red Sea was split. You don't see the waters turning into blood. You don't see manna coming. You don't see that in Joseph's life. What you see is character. That's what you see. The greatest miracle of all is to live Christ day by day. That's what you see. Too many of us get caught up in the sensational. We lose focus. Joseph forgave. That's how modern day Josephs are to live today. I'm sharing a message on modern day Joseph. That's my theme throughout these messages. That how Joseph lived back then, we can live today. We can live today. Application this morning. What can I learn from Joseph's life and just a few things we talked about? We're going to break it down a little bit more detail later on in this series. But I'm just giving you more or less an introductory message today. What do we learn by Joseph's life? The fact of these five P's. Pivotal, providential, prosperous, pure, and prophetic. Let me say it again. Pivotal, providential, prosperous, pure, and prophetic. What do I learn about these elements in Joseph's life? How do I apply these five Ps in my life in the year 2022? When my dream becomes a nightmare. When I've experienced so much pain coming through COVID, losing family members, my dreams, some of them have dissolved. What do I do? How do I apply this in my life? What did we learn? Number one, Joseph's life was pivotal to his people. Well, I got to ask you, what about you, my friend? 
What about you? We're, we're bringing it home. This is about application. We don't just preach sermons so they can sound good. How does this message affect my life? That's what a message is. So what, how, how does Joseph's life affect me so I can be a modern day Joseph? Well, his life was pivotal. Well, what about my life? Is my life pitiful, pivotal? My family? Is my life pivotal in the church I go to? Is my life pivotal where I work? Is my life pivotal where I play? In other words, have I been able to make a difference in people's lives? That's what I'm talking about. Pivotal. Well, you know, you know a lot about theology, but are you pivotal? Well, I know you go to church three times a week, but is your life pivotal? I know you attend prayer meetings, but is your life pivotal? Is it pivotal? Joseph's life was a link to the Hebrew nation. If it wasn't for Joseph, there'd be no nation. My God, how pivotal is that? Joseph influenced his family, a nation, and the world. And Jesus has called us to be what? The salt of the earth. We are called to leave a legacy behind us like Joseph did. And if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it get salty again? This is the moment to be salt. Salt creates thirst. A salt adds flavor. A salt heals wounds. Does your life represent the salt that Jesus speaks of? Is your life pivotal? Are you making a difference in your family, your children, your wife? Pivotal. Number two, Joseph's life was providential. No matter what he went through, he always trusted in God. What about you? What about me? Do you trust in God no matter what you go through? Think about it before you say, yes, of course, pastor. No, I will. Yeah, the words are easy, but actions speak louder than words. Hmm. Do you trust God no matter what you're going through? Joseph said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He understood the providence of God. Number three, Joseph was prosperous. He was blessed. What about you? God prospered him in whatever he did. You see, Joseph had a dream. He was a visionary, and that propelled his life. He had purpose. He had destiny. My friend, you will never be spiritually prosperous unless you have a vision or a goal. The Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. That's what propelled him into what he needed to do. And that's the problem with some of us. We don't have a vision. We just exist. I gotta say that again. We just exist. You can't be fruitful as a believer if you don't have a vision. What are you doing? You think, you think just coming to church, sitting on a pew, that's good. Thank God you're here. But you need more than your ability to sit on a pew. You need to have a vision. What is your vision? Your raison d'etre. That's going to keep you going. Well, pastor, you know, I'm 65 now. I'm 70. I'm 28. It doesn't, it's got nothing to do with age. 
Some of the greatest men of God were used later on in their lives. And some like David were used very early in their lives. You need vision. Vision. My people perish. My pe you see friends, the poorest man on the face of the earth is not he that's got no money. The poorest man on the face of the earth is not he that has no money, but he that has no vision. You are poor if you don't have vision. You are bankrupt if you have no vision. Vision will get you out of bed. Vision will keep you going. Vision will keep you running. Keep you alive. It's a lack of vision that keeps you dry and puts you to sleep. Number four. Then Joseph was pure. <laughs> The story of Joseph is an illustration of one who stood firm in the pressure of sin and compromise and corruption. And we know as a young man he could have succumbed to his sexual feelings. He was a normal human being. Don't think because Joseph was called of God that didn't have any feelings or temptation. All of us do. I don't care who you are. We all have emotions and feelings. And we must never allow our emotions to manage us. By God's grace, we must learn to manage our emotions by His power rather than our emotions managing us. Sexual impurity and indulgence today is the fact that people are allowing their emotions and desires to run their lives. And that's not just sexually, it could be anything else. When the emotions sit upon the throne of your life, it will destroy you. Did you hear me? Your emotions are not your best friend. Not at all. It's good to be, have emotion, but when emotions rule you, you are in serious trouble. Joseph learned to manage his emotions and his feelings and his impulses. He decided to flee. He left his coat. Potiphar's wife was seducing him and this could have been an opportunity. Wait a minute. Hold on. Maybe if I, if I sleep with Potiphar's wife, maybe, I don't know, this could be a good business opportunity. Maybe, 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 maybe I can get favor with her and she can promote me somehow. See how the natural mind thinks? Joseph couldn't care less about that. His focus was on God and pleasing God. He knew if he sinned with her today, I have, I've heard some Christians, today I hear Christians talking about, well, sex, what is sex? Sex, isn't sex just, you know, isn't it intercourse? What? Are you kidding me? Trying to justify what sex is, what it's not. Friends, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's, it's incredible what's happened today with our convictions. It's absolutely incredible. Joseph, had conviction and he knew that compromising his conviction is spiritual treason in the courts of heaven see a pure heart will not do that I can't do that I gotta please God I, doesn't make you perfect but your desires to please God and that's what's going to set you straight. Desire to please God is what's going to keep you out of Delilah's lap. 
A desire to please God will keep you running from Potiphar's wife. And that's not just for men, by the way. My understanding today, women are just as bad as men. I don't know. Read the statistics. Maybe you'll find out. You see, my brothers and my sisters, I'm going to close in a moment, but hang on. It's all about pleasing God and sin. Sin hasn't gone away. But sin will fascinate. It really does. It fascinates you. But as I said over and over again, it will assassinate as well. Sin thrills, but it kills. It's going to kill you. It will destroy you. Sin blasts, but sin doesn't last. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof is death. A life of purity is so important. Who shall ascend unto the holy hill of the Lord? He who hath clean, pure heart and clean hands. A pure heart, clean hands, doesn't go against his brother and sister. Doesn't execute vengeance. Oh my friends, it's the collapse of character that I see today. The collapse of character in, in the ministry. A collapse of character in our world and in our government. It's the collapse of character. Not charisma. We've got lots of charisma, but we don't have character. Lots of great preachers, but not so much character. And finally, Joseph's life was prophetic. What about yours? What do I mean by prophetic? This means his life foretold the life of Christ. In a sense, my friends, we, we believers foretell the life of Christ in our daily living, by our lives. We are pictures. We are to reflect Christ in this world. We foretell Christ and foretell. We are his ambassadors. People need to see something different in us. If people don't see something different in us, then maybe we haven't experienced him enough because if you truly experience God there's going to be a change people need to see it Christ in us is the hope of glory we have the answer as Joseph gave hope and fed the nations we like Joseph are to give hope to this world the salt of this earth and again if the salt loses its flavor then where in the world is salt going to get it? it we are the salt we can't afford to lose the flavor and the saltiness we can't afford it we must continue to be salt today in the diluting and polluting compromising synthetic gospel that we hear lying and deceiving and Mocking God by the teachings that are false. More now than ever before. Oh my friends. That's the greatest sermon you have. Is your life. People are looking for models. We need to model. The one we worship. My brothers and sisters. 
to model it, to be that thing. And one small pint, I still use pint in gallons, one small pint, are you ready, of example, is better than a myriad of gallons of advice. A lot of people have great advice. Oh, they'll give you all kinds of advice. You have armchair pastors who sit Monday who give advice to how the sermon should have gone or how people should. You got armchair wives and husbands sitting back giving everybody advice. All kinds of advice, how you need to, why you shouldn't have, you need to do this. All kinds of advice and advice and advice, but they never get involved. And like I've said, and I've said this many times, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't. <laughs> I know some of you, well, what? Be an example. Get your feet wet. Pull up your sleeves and get involved. That's important. They overcame by the blood of them and by the word of their testimony. And I got to close. And so here it is. Now watch this, friends. My final, this is really important and I got to close with this. This, this. this is the key to, to Joseph. Most people, I would say nine out of ten, maybe, maybe not nine, maybe eight, but I'll say nine, would have been absolutely bitter if they went through what Joseph went through. Joseph could have ended up a real bitter person because, for se- because all he experienced early in his life was heartache, rejection, Jealousy, envy, even his father rebuked him. He could have been a bitter man in a pit, scratching his head, how could God have abandoned me? But he never did. He could have sat in jail, questioning what God was doing. He never did, because he had the right perspective. He had the right mindset. He didn't whine or complain. He didn't whine or complain. He didn't whine or complain. He didn't do what the Israelites did. He didn't whine, complain. And that set the course. That experience in the prison set his destiny before him. You know, I've got, I've got four grandchildren. I'm expecting a fifth one soon, very soon. You know what I've noticed about all my grandchildren? I don't care how young, well, they're all young. You ready for this? Grandparents, they cry about everything. (laughs) Man, like, they cry anything that's not comfortable or anything that's off tilt. They start crying about. If they hit them, they start crying. If they drop their bottle, they start crying. If they're hungry, they start crying. If, if mommy doesn't, they start crying. If daddy gets up and leave, they start crying. Crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and crying about this and about that and about this and about that. Reminds me of some Christians crying about this, crying about that, crying about this, crying about that. But who are Babies cry. Babies cry. Christians who know God should not be crying. In fact, Paul calls you 
drinking milk if you cry. What do babies do? They cry. It's a sign of immaturity. Immaturity. They're young. They're young. They cry. It's normal. It's normal. Something would be wrong if they didn't cry. I'm not upset with that. It's just part of reality. What the problem is, can you imagine that little baby stays a baby and he's 35 years old? A full-grown man or woman in a boy's body crying about this, about that, about this, about that, complaining here, complaining there, and you wonder why you don't have the blessing of God in your life. It's cute when a baby eats pablum and sees a little bit of pablum trickling down his cheek. You ever see that? But it's not so cute when that little baby becomes a 55-year-old man and you still see the pablum. (laughs) Joseph never did that because he understood the providence of God. All things work together for good. All things, I don't care if I'm in the pit. I don't care if I'm in the prison. All things are going to work. I don't understand it. I don't see it. I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to trust him. I'm not going to argue. I'm just going to trust him. I don't see it in my own carnal mind, but God loves me. And because he loves me, I know he's going to make a way. I may not comprehend it. I see the clouds everywhere, but, I, but, but God, God loves me, and he cares for me, and he wouldn't have me go through this for, for no reason. So I'm going to trust him. I'm going to, you see, it all depends on your relationship with God. But that was the weakest clap I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Not that I'm looking for that. I don't never do. But Oh my gosh. We talked about succeeding in success. Well, you know a successful man is one who can lay a firm foundation with the bricks that others have thrown at him. And the proverbial making lemonade out of the lemons. Lemonade out of lemons. That's what Joseph did. That's how you become successful in success. Because even when you're successful, you'll find your haters and your brick throwers and your stone throwers and it's how you deal with these people that will propel you into your destiny. Joseph never took vengeance. His trust, Joseph never complained. His trust was in and if God allowed Joseph to go into to the pit, he may have not liked it very much, but he trusted God. If God allowed Joseph to go into prison, he may have not liked it very much, but he trusted God because he knew that God had a way where there seemed to be no way. His trust, he never got bitter. He never got bitter. His trust was in God. You see, my friends, he didn't blame God. Like some of us blame God. We may not admit it, but some of you are blaming God. Listen to me, friends. Are you ready for this? If someone's going to play Mozart or if someone plays Beethoven or if someone plays some of these great men, of, men who have composed music like none others. Let's just take Beethoven. And someone decides to play some Beethoven on a Sunday morning that has a Christian element to it and there are some. And, and, and the person is playing Beethoven but it sounds horrible. 
just horrible. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to blame Beethoven or are you going to blame the musician? Some of you are getting, hold on. Are you going to blame Beethoven? Or are you going to blame the musician? The musician. Don't blame God. Look within yourself. Joseph did. And he understood that God will make a way and that's how he brought glory to God. Just as a teacher's glory is in his students, just as a parent's glory is in their, their children, Christ's glory is in the church. Let me ask you, are you reflecting the life of Christ? Are you pivotal? Providential. Prosperous. Purity, prophetic. Does your life portray Christ 2022? Modern day Josephs. It's time to rise. It's time to rise. We need it now more than ever before. We need to rise now more than ever because the gospel's under attack now more than ever. And somebody has got to stand up against Potiphar's wife. Somebody has got to stand up and feed the nations. That could be you. Let's all stand together, please. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our lives and souls against each other. That's Joseph's song. Joseph could have written that. We bow our hearts. Joseph bowed down to the Lord. We bend our knees. Joseph was surrendered to God. You see, it starts with surrendering to God starts with just submitting to God. You, you can't be a Joseph in this world if you're living for yourself. Possible! If you're being governed by your emotions. Can't! Impossible. Can't do that. Can't do that. Joseph learned to trust God at all times. Never, never, ever did he take vengeance on anybody. Oh yeah, you did that to me? Well, I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to do this. Never did that. Trusted God. Because he had a deep connection. Modern day Josephs want to please God. Want to please God. Make it a prayer this morning. We bend our knees. Oh Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us.
crazy. Joseph, he chased after God. And when you chase after God, whatever blessings there are will chase after you. That's what prosperity is. Putting God first. Not things. And when you seek God first, something happens to your heart. Your heart changes. Something happens inside of you that will give you the strength to be able to bless those that persecute you. That will give you strength to resist temptation like Joseph. That will give you the strength to resist taking vengeance like Joseph. That will give you the strength to trust God in your pits and prisons like Joseph. For that to happen, you must desire to please God. That's what Joseph. You must desire to run out of Potiphar's house without your coat, if need be, as long as you keep your character intact. Understanding that God cares about my character more than anything else. Not about where you live and how big your house is. I'm going to invite you to come up today and just seek God say God I need your strength today because I'm facing a pit right now in a prison I'm facing some Ishmaelites I'm facing some some of my brothers and sisters that are, are hurting me I'm facing people who are jealous and envious of me and I, I, I don't want to get in the flesh. I don't, I don't want to do anything that's not of you. I'm in a pit, Lord, and I, I, I just want to trust you more. I don't see my dream that you've given me. I, I, all I see are clouds. And it seems that my dream has, has become a nightmare. And, I, and, I, and I, need to, I need to look at it from a different perspective. Help me, Lord, to trust you. Now, I said a lot of things today. If any of those things I said is ministering to you in any way or speaking to you I don't care if there's 50 people here just come to the front or I don't care if there's only one it doesn't matter but if God is speaking to you that's what matters then I want you to get out of your pew and I want you to come and stand here and, 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 and by standing you're saying God I, I want to be a modern day Joseph and I need your strength to be able to live a life that's pleasing to you because I'm facing a lot of issues today and I need your grace remember Joseph understood the providence of God the providence of God God give me a glimpse of your providence if that's you I want you to come forward and stand here we're going to sing this as a prayer as a prayer as a prayer Lord I want to humble myself before you I want my heart to be pure as Joseph heart was pure and I want to be part of this generation that seeks your face because friends if you're not seeking God's face you'll never be able to overcome anything nothing you'll you'll, you'll fall and you will not succeed in success you will not succeed in success will you stand before the Lord as we sing we bow our hearts 
we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. Hear my cry, O Lord. Turn our eyes to you, Lord. God bless you for your honesty. God bless you for your sincerity. Father, I see young people. I see older people. I see married couples. I see single adults. I see black, white, brown, yellow. I see all nations before the altar. Different tribes creeds as we see in Revelation when John gets a glimpse of heaven and he sees all his nations Father your kingdom is made out of different nations and tribes but Father we all have one thing in common is that we are desperately in need of you we need your presence as we sang earlier your presence in our lives Lord we need your strength to be able to overcome sexual temptation to overcome self-pity to overcome, Lord, self-indulgence. We need it. You will teach us how to succeed in success. To trust you when we're in the pits. To trust you when we're in the prisons. Father, to be able to trust you when we have a dream and it turns out to a nightmare. How to live and what to do. I pray that you give us grace to be able to walk through those dry times and difficult times. Help us to keep our tongues clean. We will not murmur or complain or put down. Help us, oh Father. Wash us today. Cleanse us today. Help us to see through your eyes and not through the lens of our own emotions. Help us, Father, to do what Joseph did. And that is to please you. To please you when nobody's looking. To please you before Pharaoh and before the prison cell and the butler and the baker. It didn't matter, Lord. Help us to serve you with all of our hearts and to trust you. 
that we can leave a legacy like Joseph. That our lives can be prophetic. I speak it out, Lord. That our lives would be pivotal. Lord, am I. That our lives would be pure. That our lives would be spiritually prosperous. Lord, I'm praying for those that have responded. May they experience a deeper walk with you in purity, prosperity, in the prophetic element of their lives. May they experience a fresh impartation of your power and grace. We would stand in this dark world today, Father. Maybe without our coats, but at least we will stand with character, making a difference in this world. Hear my cries for your people, Lord, for myself, that you would be exalted through this church. Jesus.